everyone. Welcome back. You've reached another episode of the Dollar Bin Bandits. I am Joe Marcello. I'm Warren Phillips. I'm Mike Farah. We are the Dollar Bin Bandits, and this is the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast. And well, folks, look, I want to thank you for coming back for a yet another brand new spanking episode. And today we are bringing you our interview with a gentleman who has been the, dare I say, the shepherd for so many great storylines, story arcs, we're talking to none other than Tom Brevoort. I'm just going to say right off the top of the, you know, top of my head here, whatever. Um, I don't think a lot of people give the editors a lot of credit than, you know, what they're due. Uh, everyone is very familiar with the artists, uh, the writers, and rightfully so. But the editors uh, are, are an integral part and a lot of the great storylines that we've uh, always been a part, uh, always read over the years. Um, Tom is certainly one of those. Yeah, I think Tom also follows the line of uh, Roy Thomas in regards to Marvel Historian. Uh, you could tell he obviously loves Marvel. He knows so much about it. And, you know, picking his brain a little bit was an absolute pleasure. Tom is the longest running editor at Marvel, I think 30 odd years uh, into his career there, obviously rose from an intern to editor to group editor to I think he's executive editor and now is like vice president um, and well deserved. I, you know, I only overlap with him a couple of years when I was at Marvel and uh, we didn't work together, but he always seemed like the level headed um, voice in the room. Uh, again, historian of these characters and and just really was um, the biggest kind of fanboy in the room. And uh, I couldn't make it to this interview, but I'm really psyched to hear what uh, Orrin and Joe had to talk about with Tom. So let's get to it. It's Tom Brief. Tom, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm going to start off with the question that we ask everyone. Um, how did you, uh, what mistakes did you make in your life to get here? (laughs) (laughs) Do you regret every, no, I'm kidding. Um, how did you get into comics? Um, well, uh, when I was around six years old, I lived in long Island. My family lived in long Island. Uh, and my dad was a heavy smoker. Um, wasn't quite a chain smoker, but he, he, he would puff at it pretty good in the, in the seventies. Uh, and what that meant was he would have to go out, you know, two or three times a week to pick up cartons of cigarettes, uh, you know, usually at the local seven 11. And so one day for whatever, yeah, we were coming back from wherever, uh, you know, whatever. And we stopped at the seven 11, went in to, to, to pick up smokes. And on this day, for no reason that I can understand, (laughs) uh, and I, I assume it must be like, uh, you know, something got spilled or they were cleaning something or something. Uh, the comic book spinner rack was not where it usually was, which was in the back with the other magazines. It was, in fact, up front by the cash register and by the door, uh, which is a terrible place to put it. Uh, because it is way too easy to, like, just grab a book off the rack and walk out with it. Um, but for whatever reason, like it was up front. And so as. My dad and I were in the short line waiting to, you know, pay for the for the smokes. It caught my eye and I went over and looked at it and, you know, he said, hey, you, you know, do you want a comic? And I, not being stupid, uh, said, of course I do. Yes. Thank you very much. 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I pulled a book from, from that rack, uh, and I went with a very, a very safe bet choice, uh, which was Superman number 268. Uh, I can still recall other books that were on the rack at that, at that time, um, that I didn't buy. Uh, but I bought Superman 268 and, you know, took it home. And, you know, by the time I was six, I was already reading at a, at a pretty decent level. Uh, so I could, I could read the, you know, comics. I only got better as I read more comics. Um, but I read the comic and I liked it. And eventually I got another one and another one. And then it was just a thing. Do you still have those comics? I have some of them. I certainly have copies of all of them. Like I've replaced, okay. you know, that Superman 268 is long gone. There was an early, somewhere between when I was six and seven, uh, there was one, there was some day when I did something to piss my dad off and he, he, he threw out every comic that I had. Uh, so I was, I was reduced back to square zero. Um, and I don't even remember specifically what it was that day. Uh, or what the event was, but I remember them all going, um, and I've replaced more or less everything there. There weren't that many to begin with at that point, um, and I've replaced everything there since then. I probably have three or four different copies of Superman 268, um, but some of my original books are still on the spinner rack behind me uh, that I've upgraded and so forth, and they're basically just you know brown, decayed, half-fallen-apart uh, slabs of paper uh, that are barely, uh, you know, a, a comic at all, but you know, they go back as far as I do almost not quite to the beginning, but very close to the beginning. Very, very cool. Now you're, you started at Marvel, correct me if I'm wrong as an intern. Yes, that is correct. First of all, that's awesome. Congrats on that. And <laughs> for you to Thank parlay you. that into your career, um, how were you able to do that by the way? Because I wish I had done that myself. It mostly involved a lot of dumb luck. <laughs> uh, you know, more than more than anything. Um, you know, I, I I had even coming in as an intern, I had a certain a bunch of skills that I developed as you know as an art student and working on uh, fanzines and doing fan projects and so forth. That that you know made me useful. You know, just walking in the door at Marvel. Uh, not that I'd planned for it or anything. I just happened to have those those abilities and could put them to use and and follow through on stuff. I wasn't a moron, so <laughs> somebody could give me something to to do and I could execute it and execute it well and execute it swiftly. Um, you know, I worked across as an intern three different editorial offices. Oh, wow. um, there were three offices in sort of a back corner of Marvel uh, in those days, and there was one intern, me who serviced all three of them. And so I'd bounce around between all of them, depending on who had stuff to, to do right then. Um, excuse me a second. Uh, ooh, I feel like a sneeze coming on, but it's not quite there. Bless you. Um, this will be the, this will be the part you can cut out. <laughs> no, this is the prime stuff. No, this is staying you know. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's, it, I understand it's all the Patreon uh, subscribers will get to will get to see that that inside thing he's a real human being he sneezes just he like sneezes. we do do you believe this yeah. he sneezes um but anyway there were there were those three editorial offices and i would bounce between them depending on who had something that needed to be done and typically uh and i'm i'm 
saying this because I heard it a lot from those people, both then and later on, you know, they would give me stuff and I would do it and I would get it finished and they would be shocked and, and they would have to work to find more stuff to give me. So as an intern, even I ended up doing a lot of stuff that most interns don't, you know, I, I did paste up on whole, whole books. There's, there are at least, there's at least one volume of Marvel masterworks that I pasted the entire thing up as an intern. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and issues of, uh, I pasted up an issue of the nightmare on Elm street, black and white magazine. And, um, you know, I, I, I did a bunch of things like this. I typeset balloons in Thanos quest, uh, wow. back in 1989 on a, on a, a, a tiny, Apple computer that was the only computer in the whole of editorial. Um, so again, I was I was just pretty good at it, and and so uh, you know once once I got towards the end of the internship, there were people there actively looking to to you know find an opening and bring me on staff. Uh, and then once I was there, I've just been I you know some combination of lucky enough and good enough to survive all these years. That's. Um... First of all, congratulations on doing that because nowadays that just, you don't hear that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. True. True. And you know, the fact that you've had the longevity uh, and remained, you know, at Marvel is, is really fantastic. Have you ever, um, I think I'm probably getting ahead of this because I think we have this question down the road, but um, have you ever had any desire to go to DC or any other comic book company? Um, it's, it's always been a, it always had been a possibility. I think we're now past the point where it is likely to happen, um, since they are 4,000 miles away from, from Marvel. Um, although I guess at at this point for the last two years, like we at Marvel have all been working remotely. We haven't been in an office and I could do the same thing the same way at DC if they didn't mind. Uh, and frankly, I don't know that they want to see me and I don't know that I want to see most of them. So it's probably the best way to go. Um, But, uh, you know, pretty much since they relocated, I've sort of figured, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going over there. There were a couple of times I, you know, I did lunches with, with people at DC, uh, Mike Carlin, who, who headed up DC for a long while and who had started out as Mark Grunewald's assistant. He and I hit it off pretty well after Mark passed, uh, when I ended up taking over the Marvel side of the Marvel DC crossovers, the second wave of amalgam and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the access books and so forth. And so there were a couple of times when he would be like, Oh, you should come over here. And uh, I know, I know I had a lunch with him and Paul Levitz once to talk about coming over and it just, you know, it, it, their, their offer was good, was nice, but it was not as good as what I was doing then. And so I didn't see any reason to go. Uh, and then at other times when I was like, I'm ready to go, I'm, I'm done with this place. Uh, you know, at, at those times there either wasn't an opening or the, 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 you know, the top brass had changed enough that it just never happened. Understood. But I sort of figured again, if you, if you asked me early on, uh, and, and assuming that I was going to have any sort of comics career of any length, I, I would have told you, yeah, I, I expect I'll do X number of years here and I'll end up doing X number of years, you know, there or somewhere else. Because that was just to seem to be how people did it in those days. Right. Yeah. That's, which is why I asked. It just seemed like, you know, you know, you do a fair amount of work here and then something happens or you, there's another opportunity mm-hmm. over here, you know, like any really any other job. But, yeah. you know, since that is such a tight uh, knit ecosystem, if you will, I mean, it just people just circle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a quick question about your early days at uh, Marvel because 
you were there for sort of a very interesting period of Jim Shooter starting to phase out and the rise of the sort of superstar artist. Sure, sure. I was after I was after Jim. Shooter oh. was gone by the time I came in. Okay. He, he he was out in 87 okay. and I started in 89. You know, his you know, his, the specter of Jim still sort of hung over the place in 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, like I, I, I've only interacted with Jim a couple of times over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like his, I like his work and I don't want to just like needlessly cut the guy down or anything. All I can report to you is what I, you know, what I know and what I saw firsthand uh, and what was expressed to me firsthand. And what that was, was, you know, I don't know, maybe all of Jim's, you know, best friends and supporters left Marvel at the same time that he did or in between the two years between when he left and I came in. But I know that when I got there, in terms of the staff that was there, the editors that had, had been there who had worked under him, um, you know, they were people of all sorts. And they were, as you would get in any sort of staff of, of, of a crew of folks, um, you know, people who didn't get along with one another and didn't like one another and so forth. But the one thing they would all agree on was that at least by the end of his tenure, uh, the, the uh, working working under Jim's regime was was uh, uh, bananas crazy. Gotcha. So so the, again, the fact that it was so universal, the fact that there were people, and again, I don't want to particularly call anybody out or name any names, but there were people who were like, man, this guy doesn't have a, a bad word to say about anybody, right. and he'll talk about how, yeah, towards the end of Jim's time, it was it was it was bananas around here. The, the things were happening, and it was just. It was just, you know, terror and craziness and, and whatever. So I have to kind of assume that there's got to be some real truth to it, right. <laughs> even well, though that's simple. only even though that's only one side of the story, yeah. uh, you know. And I've I've worked in enough, you know, enough at at, at Marvel uh, and and in a high enough position, I think, to be able to understand all the various circumstances and pressures and whatever that a guy at that level might've been under. Right. And I was going to say, cause you, when you started editing, you know, doing a lot of work on the Avengers, which is an iconic book. Uh, when you get the, the, the gig, are you nervous at all saying like, Oh my gosh, like I'm now sort of steering the Avenger ship. Um, not in that, not in that way. Okay. Um, I was never, I was never worried about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I, again, I came into Avengers you know, we launched Avengers, you know, with with Kurt and, and George Perez and and, you know, they, they were already together. And, you know, Kurt, I'd worked with for years on Thunderbolts and Untold Tales of Spider-Man and so forth. And George, I had worked with on a bunch of different oddball little things. Uh, you know, he, he did an issue of, of Spider-Man team up for me. He inked the first issue of Hobgoblin Lives. He did trading card art that I worked like he was always. I'd had contact with him and I was a huge fan of George's. So, you know, coming in and, and having that piece already in place, like that's, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, all, all I had to do was not louse anything up too badly. So I wasn't at all worried about that. You know, more of what you were worried about is, uh, you know, those heroes reborn books had gone over to, to Jim and Rob, to Wildstorm and, and extreme. And, and they'd done really well over there. And now coming back, you want it to go, we need these to do as well uh, or better because obviously like, you know, the bar has been, has been raised. And so, 
you know, you had to meet the challenge of that. And that was the thing that, that you pushed against. Not, not so much being just afraid of it for the sake of, oh my God, it's that classic thing. Uh, it, it's more, you know, tangible, tangibly about, you know, the last guys did this. You got to do at least that. Right. Yeah. I'm also curious, uh, just as an editor in general, because I know there's going to be some days that you're going to have to have, I guess, somewhat hard conversations with writers or artists or something about, you know, sure. what's going on. Um, how do you, how do you, A, you handle that situation? And B, is it tough to do that and yet keep them, um, enthusiastic about the project um well if it gets to the point where i have to have that conversation there there's no worry about that because they're not on the project anymore gotcha. <laughs> uh, you know like like i i uh, i try as best as possible to be as straight as possible with the people that i'm working with okay. on, all, on all levels editorially uh, within the staff, you know, up and up and down the chain of command, and all of the talent that we're we're working with. Um, so if I have a problem with something or a concern about something, it's not a deeply held secret. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not playing a, with a poker face a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and so certainly there are times, and I've certainly had instances where I've had to fire people or take them off assignments. So often, you know, or occasionally back in the day were things that were not even their own fault or due to circumstances beyond our control. Uh, and, and, you know, again, I'm not, uh, every individual is different. Every circumstance is different. Every, whatever is different. But, and I, I, I talk about this a lot with the younger editors that are coming up at Marvel and that we're trying to grow into fully functioning editors. Um, you know, I, I, I don't put any bones on that. I, I really do call it shooting people. I'm going to call, I'm going to call up so-and-so and I'm going to shoot him and I'm going to shoot him in the face. Uh, and that's my, that's my, my, you know, sort of, sort of a promise. Like I, I don't want to do it down and dirty. I've seen editors over the years who've done stupid things like firing a guy by fax. Um, and, and I've certainly been in circumstances where I've, because I couldn't get in touch with somebody properly or whatever, where I've had to, whatever, leave messages on phones and so forth. But my preference is to be straight. And, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to get it, I'm going to pull my gun out and I'm going to shoot you straight in the face. Um, and, 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 you know, if for no other reason, then, um, you know, you're going to know where you stand and you're hopefully going to feel respected, even if I've got to do dirty by whatever the circumstance happens to be. Um, again, I don't know that everybody in the world loves me because of that. Uh, like anybody, I'm sure you could find people who say, yeah, Tom's great. And you'll find other people that say, yeah, Tom, he's a son of a bitch uh, and every, and everything in between. Um, because that just comes with the, the nature of the, of the gig. Um, but you know, I, 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 I abide by a bunch of very basic rules. Uh, I don't work with people I can't trust. Um, you know, and if so, if you do me dirty, uh, and certainly I've had people, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, I, I liken this to, to, to gamblers that bet on the wrong horse. Um, you know, I've had people who, who screwed up something or were, were, were un, untoward in like 1997. And I remember it and I'm still there. So you bet on the wrong horse that day because, 
you know, it's whatever, 25 years later. And it's not like I'm going to, you know, keep you from getting work at Marvel anywhere else. If somebody else wants to work with you, that's fine. But I'm not going to. And so over the course of whatever, (laughs) 20, 25, 30 years in some cases, people really, you know, shot themselves in the foot, I think, in a way that they weren't anticipating that they were. Because who the heck knew that guy was going to still be around and in a position where he could choose to hire and fire me, uh, you know, later on in my career. Um, but again, that makes it sound like I'm keeping track of everybody in a book or I've got a, I don't, I, you know, for, for, for all that there, I certainly have a small list of these guys are no fly with me. I can't, I don't trust them. I won't put them on an assignment. Um, that's, that's a rarity. That's, that's a, you know, that, that for, for, especially for the number of books and the number of people I've worked with over the years, most of them have been, you know, very creative individuals and wonderful and lovely. And it really is the outliers, but it's always more fun to talk about the outliers because explaining how everything went super well and I didn't have to do a lot of work and everything just came in and it managed itself is not that interesting. But, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the guy who tried to fax me pages, uh, you know, that were drawn by an artist other than him uh, in 1990, whatever, uh, you know, that's a lot more interesting story to tell, uh, even if I won't name who that artist is because there's no percentage in it. Right. Yeah, no, lead with that story next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Um, I, I have to say, first of all, that um, you have worked on, been a part of so many just amazing storylines and characters over the well, years. Um, that must feel, and this has nothing to do with any line of questioning, just reflecting as a fan to the person who's who've done it, that just be, must feel absolutely fantastic. Um, it's, 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 certainly, it's certainly nice. It's certainly nicer when people like yourself uh, you know, who read those books and like those books, you know, get oh, to yeah. express that particularly after, after years. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly as backwards looking as anybody, uh, you know, as, as you could tell, if you go to my webpage or, you know, follow my Twitter or whatnot, where I do a lot of stuff about mm-hmm. older books, uh, not just mine, but, you know, older comics in general, um, by the same token, it's not like I'm I'm all not also like a shark swimming forward and going, okay, here are the books we're doing this month. What books are we doing next month? What books are we doing in six months? What books are we doing in a year? Um, and so hopefully I'm not just resting on uh, you know, my laurels and 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 past glories. And depending on what you thought my high point was, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not just kind of going, yeah, I was the guy that did that thing years ago. Um, I, I, I want to be doing stuff this month, the next month that that's exciting and fun and interesting to me. And that hopefully people, uh, are, are, you know, who are reading the books are, are liking as well. It's, it's not enough to just kind of go, well, you know, whatever you worked on JLA Avengers, that's your big thing. Yeah, it is. But then, you know, I can do civil war after that and I can do something else after that. And I can do something else after that. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's not one thing I can do secret wars after civil war. I can do. Uh, you know, again, whatever the thing, the thing is, uh, you know, constantly uh, and, and constantly finding new ways to challenge myself and, and, and the staff. And obviously there's always an influx of new people coming in and new creators and, 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 and such. 
uh, how has the uh, you know from your point of view um, as an editor, you know now you know artists and writers and you know everyone it just everything is a global society as it pertains to creativity and creative work um you know how has your job changed as a result of that i mean um, we've you know over the past year or so orin and i and, and mike have spoken to so many people who you know they would reminisce about their days of you know faxing and you know everyone was more or less yeah. local and yep. you know having been working on what you know for this for the past year or so you know we've learned a fair amount and you know there are certainly so many more people out there that you know we're talking about people in the philippines or overseas and they're working for companies here in the states yeah. and it's just um you know it seems like um it's it's a much larger world as it pertains to that and and uh has that really impacted your job at all? Well, I, I mean, I think that's the best thing that there is, there is. I think opening up that talent pool and that range to so many different people from so many different parts of the world who had talents and skills, but maybe couldn't find a way in because, you know, back in the day, you had to be semi-local in order to, to, to do this on a regular basis. Um, I think that that's that's great, and I think that expansion and that diversity of thought and diversity of of, of content um, is 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 a real boon, a real plus to things. Um, you know, for me, it's it was this was a gradual shift. You know, I started when we worked with you know uh, line drawings on on pieces of of board. Uh, and paste up uh, rather than computers. You know, like I said before, there was only one computer in editorial when I started, and it wasn't that great. And as an intern, I knew how to use it better than anybody on staff. Um, not that I was all that good at it. I just had taken some computer classes and understood that you, what you could do in a very basic way with a very basic 1989 computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like suddenly somebody flicked a switch and we went from 1989 to... 2021 2022 instantly um you know it, it's a it was a it's a process of 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 change and development um but on on all those levels you know the job functionally is still exactly the same mm-hmm. but all the methodology of the job is completely different um you know everything down from the fact that the most basic fact uh you know that when i started for the first few years because you were you know producing the work on physical boards and you weren't, you know, you were having to send out for color separations uh, and, and the printing and the shipping took so much longer and so forth. You had to send a book to print eight weeks before it saw print. So two months ahead of time, that book had to be done and off to the printer. You might be able to skirt it to seven if you were on a, an important enough of a book and people liked you just well enough. Um, and today it's, it's more like three weeks. Uh, and really? that three week, and that wow. three weeks is is you know metaphorically p- pressing a button and transmitting a print ready book to a printer's uh, you know uh, 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 print plan uh, and approving it all digitally and you know there's no separation house and there's no um, you know so that means 
you know, when, when we talk about things like, or when, when fans talk about things like, why don't you have X number of issues done ahead of time? Or why isn't this like it was, or more like it was back then? Part of the answer is it's just not like that anymore. Hmm. Uh, yes, you can do that, but it's, you know, you're, you're, you're jockeying against totally different factors now than you might've been in 1989 or, you know, earlier than that. Yeah. Come to think of it. I think, uh, we were talking to Ron Lim and Ron Mars a couple of days ago and they were talking about their work on silver surfer rebirth. And they were talking about one of like the next issues. Um, I don't know if it was number two or number three, but they were talking about, yeah, I just sent you this. I'm like, wait a second, shouldn't that be done already? And, you know, (laughs) and, you know, just put in perspective for me, what you just said, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it doesn't really have to be that far out nowadays, but. Well, well, again, you know, Ron can draw a page and in the old days, like when he was working on surfer with, with Ron Mars in the nineties, he would draw a page. That page would be FedExed. It would take, you know, anywhere between a day to two days to get to the office. And if Ron wasn't inking that issue and he wasn't inking most of them in those days and it had to go to somebody else, Tom Christopher to ink, the editor would then turn around, put it in another box, send it out to Tom, and that'd take a day or two days. So right there, two to four days just to get from Ron to the inker. Right now, uh, you know, Ron presses a button and the inker has it. So you've saved two days. You know, that having been said, we're very good at wasting two days worth of time. So, <laughs> so it's not like suddenly this is all magic. It just means that, you know, the, 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 the time frame, the technology has made the time frame for all this stuff uh, much different than it, than it used to be. Is um, your, is your life easier or is it more now you're just filling the time with more stuff? Um, well, again, you fill the time with different stuff and, and like anything. If you don't have to get the book out at eight weeks ahead of time, you never will. Yeah. You know, you, you need the, you need the solid wall. Yeah. And you can, and the reality is you can do it here or there, um, you know, on certain projects you'll start early and so forth. But if you're an editor running a line of books and their regular monthly titles and so forth, even if you start with best of intentions, unless you're going to, going to sacrifice quality for the arbitrary beat of, okay, I'm just going to get everything done, you know, eight, eight weeks out for, for the sake of pride. Um, there's no way you, you slide, you slide back to when the deadlines are actually real because at any given point, you know, whatever, Ron needs two more days. Well, I can either give him those two more days cause I don't need to really need to be out at eight weeks. Uh, I can go all the way to three, uh, or I can go, no way, Ron, we're, we're, we're holding to this completely made up bogus deadline that I am enforcing, I'm going to have somebody else draw those two pages so we can get them done. And so my, my end product is rockier and a little crummier maybe, and isn't as good for the readership. And, you know, presumably my numbers go down. Like that's putting the wrong impulse first. You know, the, the goal is make great comics, make great material, make great stories, make great content. Uh, and everything else is is secondary to that. Um, so, you know, inevitably, everything tends to slide back towards when the actual deadlines are, regardless of whether that's eight weeks out or three weeks out, or if technology gets better a week and a half out. You know, uh, you, you're always you're always going to go right to the edge because for a lot of people 
who have a million different ways that they can procrastinate or not uh, work uh, on stuff or be distracted or have life events that pull them away from stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's entirely too easy. You know, and I don't mean it to just be like people are dilettanting. We're in a, we're, we've been in a pandemic for two years. People have plenty of stuff to worry about and real, real things happening that oh, yeah. might prevent them from being able to be on, on time and on track as much as they might want to be otherwise. Um, so it's, you know, it's just the reality of, of the situation and the thing right. you're constantly balancing is how much time do I have? When do I really need to get this out? Uh, you know, what's, what's in the best interest of the book uh, and how long can I go? And sometimes, you know, you hit a, a point where it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm X amount of time out and I'm sorry, Ron, I do need to get somebody to draw those other two pages because mm. otherwise we're not going to, we're not going to be able to make it out. And I need to, uh, I need to sell comics to keep, keep the lights on. I, I, I need to make sure this book ships. Uh, and so at the end of the day, that side of the scale has now unbalanced the other side of the scale and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work, but you know, all the way through, you're looking to try and, and, you know, keep your focus on making the material as good as it can be because everything comes from that. Understood. Well, talking about great material, um, you mentioned civil war and I would be uh, pretty stupid if I didn't ask you about civil war. Uh, First (laughs) off, one of my favorite, absolute favorite Marvel storylines. Nothing well, to do with the, with the movies, by the way. However, my question does pertain to the movie, but it okay. is, it, it, man, that was just, it was, it was great. And I wish, I wish the movie was more like the comic just um, to have that, you know, I, you know again, uh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I, I, and I, again, I, I, I don't want to speak for studios at all. Um, cause they, you know, they do what they do and we do what we do and, and it's two separate things. Um, I, I kind of feel like, uh, the fact that it was as close as it was in so mm-hmm. many respects, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically to me, I look at it as the glass is, is half full. Oh, um, absolutely. I never, I never expect anything that they take uh, and use from what we do to be an exact one-to-one model. If they did it probably wouldn't be very good because a lot of what we do that works perfectly well as lines on paper uh, and, and individual staccato moments doesn't play the same way when you put real people on a sound stage and, and, and they're moving and they're sound and they recite dialogue and so forth. And um, you know, yeah, everything that's going to happen too. Right. I mean, right. If, as but a even, movie, you just be like, well, this is going to happen. I'm not surprised. Right. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm always, again, I, I, so I take my, my happiness from any time when they, they, you know, pull pieces from something that we've done uh, and then, you know, go and do whatever it is they need to do to make them function as films or now as streaming shows. Uh, and that's, and that's it. I'm not so precious about this stuff to go, well, it wasn't exactly like, they didn't kill Goliath in that civil war. Well, that's the worst. That's the <laughs> worst civil war. Goliath? Movie. Why didn't they bring him? Yeah, ex- exactly. Like you know, it's it's a different. Uh, yeah, it's a different experience. It's a different thing. Um, but uh, but thank you. Yeah. No. I, I, the reason why I brought it up is obviously because it's so great. But you know, obviously, Marvel is just you know the MCU. It, it is like just dominating everything 
nowadays. And has has that changed your job in that you're more like or you're getting pressure from the studios to kind of align the comics and the the um to be you know i guess more recognizable or closer to what is in the movies no that's actually kind of the opposite okay you know we 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 uh and, and these days it's all you know remote but you know uh, i'm going to talk like it's not um you know two or three times a year uh you know we'll meet with with kevin Feige and the studios team to kind of do a big you know, walk through show and tell that amounts to here's all the stuff we're planning to do for the next couple of years. And here's all the stuff we're planning to do for the next couple of years. And so we can share a certain amount of information and intel back and forth. Um, and in all those conversations, uh, you know, Kevin has been consistent about his messaging uh, to the publishing side. Uh, and, and the message has always effectively been this. Um, it does him no good. It is useless to him for us to be following exactly what they're doing. What he would like us to be doing <laughs> is, is being the tip of the spear and going out ahead of them and coming up with all sorts of, of stories and characters and situations and things that as they follow behind a couple of years, because uh, you know, their production and their, their Marvel Cinematic Universe is by its nature you know, behind where, where we are in the, in the publishing Marvel universe, mm. um, that they can mine for all the diamonds and best bits and, and you. So, uh, you know, uh, to, to use sort of a recent example, you know, we knew there was an Eternals movie coming out and we put out an Eternals book. Uh, and the intention of that book, both from us and reiterated by them, is we don't want you to do the movie that we're doing now we want you to come up with stuff that we can use to do an eternals two or an eternals three or or something like it's 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 of much greater value there because if you hit on something that works or that has some resonance or that people react to that's a huge step up uh you know for for them in terms of figuring out what pieces might work the best for whatever they would want to do next um that having been said you know inevitably it's a synergistic situation, not because anybody's coming down and saying, you must make this like this, but those films are phenomenally popular and recognized worldwide. And that's uh, among the, the, you know, the fans, but it's also among our creators. Um, and so inevitably people absorb stuff from those uh, productions and filter them back into the work that we do. Um, you know, the classic, you know, the classic hallmark that we all talk about, as regards this, uh, was Cerebro in the X-Men uh, movies. You know, that first X-Men film came out in 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. uh, and absolutely nobody on Earth said, you must make Cerebro in the comics look like Cerebro in the movies. But from the moment that that artist saw that film, that was how they drew it. You know, not exactly, not line for line, like they're tracing a frame of the film, but it's it's a big circular room with an X door and, and a pier that goes out in the middle of a, that became what it was uh, almost like by osmosis. You know, nobody, nobody can write Iron Man these days without hearing the dialogue in Robert Downey Jr.'s voice. Yeah. And, and so that's, <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's, that's the thing. And so, 
you know, whatever, knowing that they're going to have a Hawkeye show coming up and it's going to be Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, you know, from our standpoint going, maybe we should start a, have a Hawkeye series that's starting around there that features Kate Bishop. People might kind of be interested in that moment at, that uh, in, in seeing what's going on with this character and where she is now. Seems like a good idea. Let's do that. Um, and if we do it really, really well, then we'll do something in that series that they can go, hey, we want to do a second season of Hawkeye. And there's that cool thing that they did over there that we can do over here, except we'll do it this way instead of that way. And um, it's all it's all very free flowing and synergistic. Um, and, and most of it just comes from from not being uh, dumb about stuff. Uh, you know, if, if, if they're going to if they're going to be launching Shang-Chi, suddenly more people are going to be interested in Shang-Chi. Uh, uh, particularly even in, in the lead up to that film than have ever been interested in Master of Kung Fu in the history of the thing. So it only makes sense to try and draft some of that wave, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to our world of publishing uh, and to do stuff that potentially can be of value uh, to them when it comes time to go, we're going to do a second Shang-Chi or we're going to do a Shang-Chi in a team thing or we're good you know whatever whatever the next bit is of that uh for them just a, a quick uh follow-up with that is that with this marvel juggernaut that there is now do you think the books are getting the spotlight on them within the corporation as they should or do you think they're behind the, the shows and the mar merchandising and the movies and all that stuff well uh, i mean putting it you know bluntly like we make money every year as a, as a publishing outfit, we bring in genuine revenue, but not anywhere to the, to the level that, you know, a, a Spider-Man no way home is what the fourth now, the fourth most profitable movie in history. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like it's inevitable that people <laughs> are going to go, yeah, these, these are the things. Cause that's where all the big bags of money uh, you know, uh, germinate around, right. um, you know, it, it, and again, it's always nice to, to be able to have some recognition for people to pat you on the head and go, good job. You're doing great and do, you know, whatever. Um, but you also have to be kind of realistic about where you exist within the superstructure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, during the, the early days, I'll say the first year, maybe of the pandemic, I could be off maybe nine months, maybe 15 months, you know, at a point where, they couldn't really film or release anything in, in, in film and television. And, you know, their dates kept getting pushed back for black widow and eternals and whatever. Uh, and we could still keep publishing and still bringing revenue in, you know, that's a moment where people might pay a little more attention and go, Hey, look, those guys are still making money over there. Even though everybody's locked down and nobody could go anywhere somehow, they're, they're still keeping the gravy train going, but inevitably, eventually that's going to change and has, and the movies and the shows are going to come out again and they're just going to be, be bigger. Um, but you know, uh, again, institutionally and organizationally, uh, and I really think as much as anything, this is part of the key as to why Marvel is successful at this and others who have tried it are not successful at it is that the comics and the publishing are the lifeblood of the organization that everybody else builds upon and, and, and expands upon 
the stuff that publishing does. The publishing, because it's the core business, the original business, it's the roots of the tree. Uh, and everything kind of stems from there for good or for ill. Uh, and, and all of our other successful divisions have found ways to build upon that foundation rather than going, we want to have a foundation over here three blocks over mm-hmm. um, you know, or, 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 or whatever. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a consistency of, of understanding, if that makes sense, about mm-hmm. what the, 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 the underlying principles of Marvel are that is shared. Uh, among all of our various, uh, you know, areas and divisions and so forth. Uh, again, in a way that I don't know that anybody else has quite replicated, often because, uh, you know, they, they put the cart before the horse and they go, well, you know, whatever. And I can't speak to them definitively. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to point to DC because they're the most obvious example of this. But, uh, you know, you always get the, get the sense. I always get the sense that the Batman movie is very, very important and much more important than the Batman comics. And if it happens to resemble them, great. But if it doesn't, who cares? Uh, you know, it's, it, and it's a completely different paradigm. Uh, and, and, uh, it's not like, you know, there haven't been great DC films and DC television and animation and whatever, but in terms of how that structure is, uh, is, is organized and, and, uh, uh, how it relates to one another, and 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 even respected, I don't get the sense that th- those comics are are the are the roots. Gotcha. Uh, I, I get the I get the sense that often the left hand and the right hand are just doing what they're doing, and nobody cares. As a fan, I absolutely agree with you, and I it's I think they're. I mean, you could see that because they're just shuffling, you know, uh, DC from one branch of business to another and selling it off here right. and there and there. and i don't want to i i don't want to uh you know like the people who are actually working at dc publishing creators and editors and so forth i, I don't mean to malign them no. i believe that everybody there is is you know working hard to make the best and most successful comics that they can and to fulfill whatever the or the, the uh the dictums of their organization are you know, I've been at Marvel long enough to have gone through plenty of different regimes at the top and different owners and whatever, all of whom had different objectives that they were trying to accomplish. And, and that, you know, editorial or publishing as part of that organization would attempt to go in that direction or this direction or whatever. And I'm sure that all the people there, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the trenches at DC are doing the same thing. But I don't get the sense that anybody up their ladder uh, really, really cares. Um, I, I absolutely agree with you 100 and i'm a i'm a dc fan obviously i'm a fan of obviously you know right. comics but as you can see all the stuff i got superman going on so it sure. you know it it hurts the fan you know who sees this um right. well they all but, they, they all make and, and again i'm gonna I'm, I'm 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 gonna blow some smoke <laughs> here a little bit but um, they all make the same mistake, not just DC, but, but literally everybody since Avengers came out, like you can't, a week doesn't go by that somebody doesn't drop a press release about how they're creating the, whatever the hell it is universe. And this movie or this TV show or whatnot is going to be the first part of the universe. And 
the problem that they that they all run into. And it, it, they hit the same rocks again and again, and they can't figure it out, despite the fact that nobody's made a secret of it, is if you want to do Avengers, you can't start with Avengers. Right. <laughs> if you want to do Avengers, you got to start with Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and Captain America, and you build up to, uh, to Avengers, and you build each one of those right. You know, you can't, start building the building at the top floor. There's nothing underneath it. It's going to fall and crash and crack and burn. And, and inevitably as all these projects, just the very fact that they're, they're announcing the project and the fact that it's going to be part of a, an interconnected universe. That's the point where I go, yeah, they're done. They're, they're, they're whipped. They're, they're, they're looking at, at the big bag of money that was Avengers or Avengers Endgame, or or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and going, yeah, we want one of those, but they're not ready and not willing to put in the hard block and tackle work that that studio's team has done over close to twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting out with just an Iron Man movie, yeah. and building it slowly and deliberately, and being good enough at it more often often enough that people really cared when you got to Avengers. And then after you got to Avengers, you know, they still were, you know, like the, like the next movie up was guardians of the galaxy, which on the surface of it, like that's a crazy choice. Like that's got nobody that you're doing. That's not built on anything, but they very successfully built out that world. So that now, I mean, you know, you look at those, those Disney plus shows and it's, it's mind boggling. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, you just know. make one good first movie. That's you know start yeah. start yeah. at the yes. beginning. Yes, don't plan your sequ. You don't need to plan your sequels first, uh, right? Uh, you know, you, you can just make a movie and make an excellent movie, and right. that should be your focus. The point at which you're going, this could be a trill. This will be a trilogy. Is the point where no, it won't. It's going to be one bad movie because you're going to be so focused on setting up the thing for movie number three that you'll forget to make movie number one, something that people care about yep. and time and again, you can, you can see it. It's it's, and it really is a, a testament to, to that, that studios crew right. uh, that, that, you know, they, they, they built what they, what they built and they've kept the faith on it and, and really shown good instincts um, including at, at, at points, you know, where, where I would have gone, no, you shouldn't be doing that. That's a, that's a mistake. Oh, what are you guys thinking? Uh, and, and yet, you know, through, through whatever talent and, and, and luck and, and, you know, good timing and, 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 and fortune and, 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 uh, elbow grease, you know, they've built this thing that is so, uh, unique and so unlike anything that's ever been done in media before. There is nothing like that Marvel cinematic universe anywhere. Uh, and it is when you step back from it, you know, I, I have a, I have a, a slightly biased opinion. I work at Marvel. It's it's very easy to say, yeah, he's just rooting for the home team. But I, I tell you, as 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 objective as I can be about it, that thing is a marvel. Oh, it's a, you, it's yeah. it's astonishing what what's what's been constructed there, and how and how genuine and true it is to the source material. Uh, and it's not like it follows everything, you know, absolutely line for line, point for point. But when you're talking about characters that have been around for 60 years, it is astonishingly faithful an astonishing amount of the time. And when it's not faithful, 
uh, or faithful right now or, or exactly where something is, usually there's a thought process behind it when you experience it where you go, that works. That's good. Okay. That's not exactly what we do or did, but that works. Great. Do that. Um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a really uh, uh, amazing uh, little puzzle box. Yeah, as uh, as fans, I don't think at any point in our life we would have thought we would see. Moon There's Knight. a Moon Knight show coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they announced it, I was like, okay. <laughs> well, but it's it's not even just that. It's there's a Moon Knight show coming, and people are excited. Yeah. Yeah, because you could believe there's a Moon Knight show coming. There was a Nightman show in the in the late '80s. The difference is there was a Nightman show in the '80s, and you know people watched it, but nobody particularly cared one way or the other, right. apart from a very very small group of of you know comic book aficionados who knew the character and were excited. People are excited that there's a Moon Knight show, that there's a She Hulk show, that there's a Ms. Marvel show who have never read the characters before and yeah. know nothing about them. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And that's, that's part of the secret to it all. And that is definitely a thing that I try to draft on as often as possible, because I would be stupid not to. <laughs> I just want to talk quickly because besides being an editor, I think it, it's well known. You're a comic book historian as well. Uh, you love sure. comics, the, the history of it. This is a wonderful book, Marvel's Greatest Comics. Um, great essays in it yourself, writing a lot of you know love letters. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I I like that book, but mm-hmm. it irritates me. Does it? And I'm gonna be and I'm gonna be honest about this because, uh, and and we didn't know it was gonna be this way. Like mm-hmm. I got a copy of the, they sent me a copy of the book, or our our people you know who were connected to it sent me a copy of the book, and I leafed through it. And I I looked at it and it it made my toes curl. And the reason it made my toes curl is, you know, it's a hundred, you know, uh, uh, you know, selected Marvel comics from the history of the hundred most important. And that's great. And they have the write-ups and a bunch of different people, myself included, you know, wrote about why this book was, was classic or important and so forth. And they reproduced pages and panels and things from the books. And they re-lettered all of that work in the crappiest computer generated font badly done that you could. And I, I, you know, literally, uh, you know, I, I, I went to our guys and said, why the heck did they do this? This is bananas. And you know, they shouldn't be touching this. We, we, we wouldn't let them re-ink the panel. Don't let them change those balloons. Uh, and you know, it really was something, and I'm sure there's a reason that they did it. Maybe it makes it easier to translate the book over to other languages and things, but I'm sorry, this is an English edition. You leave that alone and you respect it just as much as you respect, uh, you know, the, the writer who wrote the words and the artists who, who crafted those images. Uh, those letterers were, were true artists in the days when all that typography was done by hand. And the, the fact that somebody went in like, it's it's otherwise it's a good book. I would still recommend it, but I kind of can't look at it. Gotcha. Well, my question is, as a historian, there are a lot of books that you are a part of in here. How do you look at yourself being part of Marvel's history? Because you really are. You're a big part of 
you know, where, where we are right now. Um, well, again, I, 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 I guess I say I'm relatively backwards looking. Uh, and so I'll talk about stuff I did all the time, but right. I, I don't tend to think of it in terms of here's this big part of Marvel history. I am <laughs> other than when it's either a geek trick or, or, you know, impressive in a stupid way. Like, uh, I don't know. Now it's probably 10 years ago. Uh, we put out a, you know, we were putting out the, the, the latest version of the Marvel indexes mm-hmm. in like paperback form. They were, they were paperbacks. Uh, and we got the Avengers book and I pulled it out and I, I showed people, like I put a, I put a, a bookmark in, you know, like this part of it, this two thirds is everybody else. And this one third at the back is all me. Right. Uh, and, but to me, that's not, I, I don't look at that as chest beating so much as that's just a geek trick. Look at this cool sort of thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a part of all this stuff, but frankly, you know, if you like civil war, it's because of Mark Miller and Steve McNiven and, and Maury Hollowell and, and all the other people who did the tie-in books and all of this stuff, you know, and there's a little of me sprinkled in there, but it's hardly like I'm the genius of the world who, you know, brought these brilliant things down from the mountain or anything. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to stand behind the stuff that I worked on and that, that I did, including the stuff in, in many cases that people don't like, uh, if, as long as I like it and can look it in the eye and vice versa, I can also kind of go, I don't like that as I'm glad you like it as much as you do. I don't really like it as much as you do, but that's, that's fine. You know, you're a reader, you paid your cover price. Uh, you know, God love you. I hope you got some good entertainment out of it and, and really loved it. Um, but I don't, I, I can't afford to think that way. I, I'm too busy putting out, you know, next week's comments. That's a good um, point. you know, and, and, uh, you know, I look at the, you know, there are not, the, the reality is there are not many great, uh, mem- remembered editors in comics. Most of the editors in comics who were remembered we're also writers and we more or less remember them because they were writers. You know, Archie Goodwin, we remember him because he wrote a lot of stuff. And the fact that he was one of the best editors in the field is secondary to that. Stanley is the obvious, you know, exemplar of that. Um, anybody, you know, Roy Thomas, uh, you know, and so there are, there are precious few, um, you know, Karen Berger might be, might be one, for example, not really known as a writer, but remembered as an editor for all the stuff that she did with, uh, with creating vertigo and bringing the British wave in and so forth. Um, but that's, that's so rare. And so the idea that anybody is going to, going to give a nickel about <laughs> me when I'm done, that's, that's nonsense. Uh, it, it's just not, uh, it's just not true. Um, you know, the work will all still be there and I'll be a, a name in a, in a bunch of credit boxes somewhere, but you know, people are going to care about the work. Uh, and that's and that's right. That's 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 proper for an editor. The editor is not the star of the show. The editor is is a is backstage, uh, and that's you know you gotta you gotta you gotta own that and you gotta embrace that if you're gonna do this job. Uh, that's well, one I I want to jump in there and just tell you. Now you you can tell me I'm brilliant as much as you want. Well, I, I, I am a, not. That's all fine. I am not gonna <laughs> blow smoke up your ass, but I will say that. As fans, there are people that we, you know, you get to know names and their work. And, you know, you may say that, okay, editors aren't, 
you know, the ones that are remembered, but by all means, I think certainly you are. Um, and you know, the work that you've done, um, it, it shows that you are a fan of the medium and you respect it because we've spoken to people over the past year or so doing this, that they handle the work in front of them as just another job. And it comes across their desk and they do it and they they're done and they move on. And, you know, we're talking to them as fans and I'm like, well, how cool was that that you did this? And they're like, yeah, you know, the guy gave it to me and he asked me to work on it. I said, yeah, sure. And it was done. And yeah. And, you know, we're looking at him like, what's wrong with you, man? Don't you enjoy your job? I mean, you know, you have a spinner rack. Yeah. Yeah. You want spinner racks, <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> awesome. You know, the, the fact that you, you know, it, trust me, as fans, we, um, you know, we, we see the love of what you do. And it's uh, I think it's well received. Well, 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 thank you. But, you know, again, what, what, like what you're talking about, that was, you know, for, for generations, that was how, you know, the people who worked in comics, you know, thought of it. Uh, particularly a lot of the artists uh of, of uh you know those years it was it wasn't like they didn't want to do a good job or they weren't invested when they were doing a thing but it was a it was a job you know it, whatever your job happens to be do you remember the spreadsheet that you were working on two years ago no <laughs> because i did it i did it right i did it properly and i did it you know uh, in the time it needed to be done and every, all the the data was entered right and all the stuff was made appropriately or you know, whatever the the cabinet I built uh, two years ago, you know, for a client, it was one cabinet among forty seven thousand cabinets, and I made it to the best of my ability and used my very specific set of skills to do that, and then I moved on to the next cabinet because that's the job. Um, so many people for for so long that was the the you know the 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 way they approached a lot of the work, um, and uh, you know. It's only been, you know, really for like the last 30 or 40 years where you've gotten more people in who came in as fans and who maintained like a fanish connection to the stuff that they're working on um, beyond just, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. I love doing it. I love using the skills. I love, you know, whatever. I love drawing. I love making up stories. And I happen to be doing that in a comic book field as opposed to in some other endeavor. Um, but I'm not you know, it's, it's a job and, you know, come, come quitting time. I, I go about my life and I don't worry about it until it's time to, you know, hear the, hear the starting whistle in the morning and, and go back to the gravel pit. Fair enough. Um, so being mindful every time, we just have one last question for you. Now in your, your long career, you've obviously worked on so many awesome characters is there one character or more that you have yet to be a part of? And this, uh, is there one character that you really want to work on? And it doesn't have to be Marvel. It could be, I don't even, I don't sure. care. Image, DC, any, it could be gold key. I don't care. Like, is there <laughs> one that you wanted to really, you know, you really want to touch on work on? Um, Probably my answer is, is no, but, that it's a it's a no with an asterisk um because you know i like uh, i like a, a large swath of stuff you know we talked earlier about you know had you ever thought about working at dc and 
you know, there's all sorts of, of characters and properties at DC that I would like to, you know, have a crack at. You know, probably the, the, the biggest one there, the biggest white whale over there is Superman. Um, I'm sort of a little, uh, I'm going to say disappointed uh, in, in, in the way Superman has been managed for 10 years, 15 years. Like they, it, You're it, not it the is, only one. <laughs> it is, it is the, 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 you know, one of the most successful characters and properties in the history of history mm-hmm. and nobody working on it seems to be able to figure out how to make it work or how to connect with people. And I stare at that and I go, and I'm hardly the only one. Uh, it's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. Uh, just, just, just do Superman. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, you know, like so many others, I'd sure like a chance to do, you know, Superman. Um, but by the same token, I edited Hulk, Incredible Hulk versus Superman. I edited JLA Avengers. And again, along with the DC counterpart editors and my junior editors and so forth, I edited Unlimited Access. So it's not like I've never edited comics that were about Superman. I have, maybe right. haven't done as many of them as I've done with the Fantastic Four or whatever, but I've 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 done them, um, you know. And uh, again, once you get beyond, you know, that, um, you know, uh, I like other stuff. But I do other stuff, sh- sure. But I don't tend to spend a lot of time uh, uh, thinking about it or lusting after it. Again, there's too much to do in my own backyard. Right. Um, and and it's not like. I sit here going, oh, I have done Avengers for so long. How can I possibly edit another Avengers comic book? <laughs> if I get to that point, that's the point where I should give the, the, the book up to somebody else and take something else on. Um, you know, within Marvel, there's not a whole lot that I haven't touched. Um, you know, there are books I haven't done any real significant run on. I haven't done Daredevil as a regular book, but I've done, you know, Daredevil one shots and stories and things over the years. I've never done X-Men but I've edited X-Men projects and things over the years. Um, so, so there's not a whole lot there I haven't played with. Um, and, and, but that's still, you know, that's still my backyard. That's still my toy box. And so, uh, you know, I, again, I'm more focused on that, you know, on, on certain days, particularly on the days when somebody gets something uh, uh, wrong or does something I don't like, it's much easier to sit down and go, gosh, darn it. it it's so easy to do Hawkman. Why don't you just do this? Um, but again, that's no different from any fan, you know, you know, reading a, reading a comic that they don't like and going, ah, if they just listen to me and do it, whatever I said and whatever I think, then it would be great. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I could go over there and I could botch Superman just as badly as everybody else. Uh, you know, it's very easy to talk this, 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 this talk, uh, you know, without having to actually play the game. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of stuff. You, you could plug me in just about anywhere and I'd find things, uh, you know, that I'd be interested in, in, in doing, but, uh, I seem to be at Marvel still. <laughs> and so that's, so you got that going for you. <laughs> that's, that's, kind, that's kind of where my, where my focus is, is on makes sense. what are we, what are we going to do at Marvel next year? What stories do we have coming up? Who's going to take over this book? Who's gonna gonna do this? Who's got a story coming up that can be a bigger thing? Who what what, what clever ideas are there for projects? And you know, there's a bucket of stuff there too. 
Uh, I never throw an idea away, uh, and eventually you get to do them. You know, people people have been pitching me different iterations of the the core idea that became Spider-Man Life Story for at least twenty years before we ended up with one that not only worked, uh, but that I could get turned into an actual comic. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's the same idea, but it's not the same idea. The basic idea is what if the characters lived in, in real time? Uh, and you know, I, I remember talking with that pro about that project or not, not literally that project, but about that idea, you know, with Roger Stern in like 1999 and us trying to figure that out and trying to get it together and it just not being the, the right thing at that moment and not being able to lick it. And eventually get to the point where somebody, you know, Chip Zdarsky in this case, uh, was able to crack it, and and now it's a book. Right. Uh, so you know, I have I have years of bad ideas <laughs> that 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 potentially the day four could come tomorrow, uh, and if not, and I'm around long enough, it could be the day after tomorrow. Um, you know, there's no there's no there's no dearth of stuff. There's no there's no uh, there's no bottom. Uh, on this as long as I'm thinking on it. So yeah, it would be fun to work on all kinds of different properties and things. Uh, but uh, again, I don't focus on that too much again, other than when I'm in a, in a, you know, uh, uh, away from work rest mode, just watching or consuming something and analyzing it or staring at it going, it's, you should just, you should do this. Or that gives me an idea for something that I could do, you know, that, that gets inspired by, what I might've done differently than whoever was doing whatever film or show or whatever I, that I was watching. Like Got everybody. It. Yeah. Well, makes sense. Make them sound like Robert Downey Jr. That's, that's it. <laughs> that's what I hear every time I read it. So, <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much for your time. I could honestly, I have so many, as you're talking, I have so many more questions that I would love to ask you. And it, it has nothing to do with this. It's strictly fanboy like comic stuff, but obviously you, you got can't. one. Yeah, you, you got one. What's what's your one? See, this is what it's like when somebody asks you a question like this, and then you got to come up with an answer on the spot. <laughs> well, I, I can't. I mean, I, yeah, I have one. a few, but like it's you know, oh crap. So is <laughs> is you see uh, how much are, better I did this than than, than than you do it now. This isn't easy. I'm but sweating it's, now. Are the X-Men ever going to leave this this like island that they have hovering somewhere? Um, I think uh, a couple of things with, with that. One, uh, as as long as it's working and there's stories to be told in it, uh, yeah. no, I'm you know I'm in no rush. Right. Uh, that having been said, you know historically, and it's the thing that comic book fans, you know, always point to, but also always jeer. You know, the, the arc of history always kind of brings you back to the core. Right. And so, you know, the, the, the natural gravity of the universe you know, states that given enough time, the X-Men are going to be a bunch of guys at a mansion in Westchester again. Uh, and whether that's in, you know, in a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years, you know, that's the natural thing until the new idea supersedes the old idea to such a degree that it becomes the new gravity. You know, the X-Men are Cyclops and Iceman and Angel and Beast. 
until they're Wolverine and Colossus and Storm right. and Nightcrawler. And yeah, then as a guy that's... from Westchester, we want them back. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as uh, you know, there, there's there's still a lot of story to be mined uh, out of out of what that is, and I know that the ex creators have at least. Uh, you know, broad plans for like at least another two years of stories, assuming that you know all the all the sales don't suddenly crater and uh, uh, nobody nobody wants to buy X Men comics anymore. Um, so so there's still a bunch of cool stuff to come up. So I wouldn't necessarily be looking to to take that apart anytime soon. And, and I I don't expect you to divulge anything, but is can as a as a fan can we expect a in any comic uh character line coming up this year can we expect a forgive the expression a holy shit moment coming up (laughs) well i mean on the most basic level we try to do that every month pretty much every (laughs) issue fair enough so so i and i i I would say that i think as fans were a little bit you have to really shake it up for us to be like, oh shit, you know, like right, that's right. a big deal. Um, because the all on an island. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that, and you know, yeah. Cyclops became a guy. Now he's, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, we, you know, things have happened, so we're kind of, you know, it takes a lot at this point for us to be like, wow, um, you know, we've killed Superman, and this guy died, and you know, Professor Xavier has died, come back and has walks, and you know. Can we expect like a really earth shattering in the comic book world um, event coming up? Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, but that's that too is, you know, that's the dragon that you're always chasing. Right. You know, you you want every comic to be the best comic you ever read and as good as the best comic you read, but even better. And to do all the things that you remember, you know, that's, I, I talk about that as the promise of the event comic, you know, in general. Um, and, and uh, you know, no event comic has ever been as good as the magic one that exists in everybody's imagination. That has all the all the best heroes and villains in the biggest story ever. That's so cataclysmic and does so many important things to everybody. And it turns out with a big thing like, you know, that's that's a you know, that's 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 the uh, that's the city on the hill that you right. can never quite quite reach. But. <laughs> You know, you can get as close as possible. And for some percentage of the audience, you can reach it. Just not not everybody, because the one in your imagination is always is always a little better. Um, but but uh, but definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not looking to, to, to keep doing uh, same old, same old stories. No, uh, I know. And you know what I have to say? That is one thing I really appreciate about Marvel is that things are always changing Mm -hmm. and yes, things will go back to how they were at some point, like you mentioned, you know, with the, with the X-Men, you know, but then again, they will change again after that, you know, they'll they'll come back to Westchester, they'll move into the mansion, but then they will, again, there will be some major change that things will happen. And, you know, the status quo will, will change. And the same holds true with all, you know, with any of the other characters. You just wait long enough in comics and, you know, you'll get what you love again and then it'll be a little right. different. Right, right. Some, some some days the Hulk is immortal and dealing with the green door and some days he's a spaceship being rocketed around. 
being driven by Bruce Banner. So I'm, so, I'm really digging you know, that storyline, by the way. Well, I'm, well, I'm, well, well, good. I'm really enjoying that. It's just so like it's so different that, you know, like, all right, well, I got to see where they're going with this, man. This is kind of cool. So so so, yeah, they'll 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 we'll certainly continue to do a lot of different stuff as we go. And some of them will be, you know, big holy shit moments for you. I'm, cool. I'm sure because, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do that all the time. Well, I'm can't wait. <laughs> Again, Tom, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us for as long as you have. Sure. My, my pleasure. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I hope uh, just looking forward to everything that, you know, that Marvel, uh, you know, has in store for us. So, well, I appreciate, uh, fans, you know, we appreciate all, the, all the years of, uh, you know, buying and reading and, and continuing to do so. Because we kind of need you to do that to keep the lights on. Oh, uh, if so, I turn so. my camera, you'll see all the money I've spent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome back. So that was our interview with Tom Brevoort. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. We don't get to talk to very many editors. Uh, and, you know, Tom was really frank and honest, which I always appreciate. And uh, you can tell, and I've mentioned this before, he loves what he does, and it shows. And I always appreciate that. And it's really so cool that he's been part of so many stories that have shaped sort of the modern Marvel uh, universe that we, we've come to know today. And, uh, you know, very modest about his accomplishments, but certainly somebody who, who has a, a longstanding and is going to have a historical mark on Marvel. Yeah, he's the solid, um, you know, journeyman editor. He's the glue that uh, holds a lot of stories together. You know, um, he's the communication connection between uh, writers and artists. And uh, yeah, you guys knocked it out of the park with the interview. I thought he was uh, great and had a lot of uh, interesting insights about, um, you know, the process and what it's like to put together these books and these stories that we all love. So Kudos to you guys. Uh, and that's another one in the can. So we shall uh, say goodbye for now, but we'll have another episode of Dollar Bin Bandit soon. Adios, partners. The Dollar Bin Bandits are Oren Phillips, Joe Marcello, and Mike Farah. New episodes release every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on all the socials at Dollar Bin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollar Bin Banter group on Facebook. You can email us at dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S.com And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos. <laughs>